You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno, and today on the podcast, we've got Jim Ramos. Jim and his wife live in Oregon, and Jim leads an organization called Men in the Arena. We have a conversation today about the latest book that he has written called Strong Men, Dangerous Times. Here's what you're going to learn about Jim, like right off the bat, the brother has energy. We recorded this episode on a Friday afternoon And man, you would have thought it was a Monday morning after he had just had a double espresso or something like that. We had so much fun talking about uh, the five essentials that every man must possess in order to change his world. It's uh, so encouraging, simple to understand. He's got a great analogy that goes along with it. I think you guys are going to track along uh, with it and really enjoy it. So with that being said, here's my conversation with Jim Ramos. All right, Jim, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Good to be with you today. Man, I'm excited to be here with you today, too, as well. Thanks so much for having me on, Adam. Yeah, so you lead an organization called Men in the Arena. I think I know where that name came from, but I want to hear you say it, because uh, if, it, if it came from where I thought it did, uh, that's one of my favorites. And so why don't you talk about that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. But initially, the organization was launched in 2012 under the name The Great Hunt for God. Okay. And that actually comes from Philippians chapter three, where Paul says, forgetting what was behind, I press on. And that, that pressing on is the Greek word dioko that means to hunt or to pursue. And we're not a hunting ministry. Uh, we're not a track team, but we do really believe passionately about pursuing God. And actually, it's funny that I'm on this podcast. I first was attracted to and initiated into this concept of men's ministry, actually, from a book Robert Lewis wrote called Raising a Modern Day Night. And I read that yeah. book in 2007, and that really impacted me as a father and as a man. And actually, Robert's actually in the book because some of his stuff was the impetus for what I wrote the book about. But the organization, Man in the Arena, we changed our name because there was confusion around uh, the word hunt. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to hunt for God, and is this a hunting ministry? So we really wanted to call men out of anonymity and into the game, and we wanted to give men a, a, a name that they would sink their teeth into and remember and see it. And so we went with Men in the Arena out of Teddy Roosevelt's speech yes. that took place in 1910 in Paris, France. And so it's not called the Men in the Arena. The speech is actually called Citizens in the Citizens. Oh, what was it called? Citizens in the Republic? Something like that. Anyway, but, but everybody knows it as a Men in the Arena speech. And so that's it. We've got guys getting tattoos on their arms and saying, hey, I've got your tattoo, but it's nothing to do with you. It's a reminder to get out of the anonymous bleachers and get into the arena. I, just, I love it. I don't know. I, I think Brene Brown was the one that introduced me to that, uh, not personally, through through some of her writings, because I think her one of her books came, like she got a title out of that. And I'm like, what is this thing? And I read it yeah. and I was like, how did I make it 40 years not reading this? And it is so inspiring and it's great. So anybody that's listening right now that has, doesn't know what we're talking about, just go Google uh, Man in the Arena and uh, and be inspired. It's really and, well. And Brene well Brown's book is called Daring Greatly. That's right. Which is one piece of that quote. So we want to give credit where credit is due, right? <laughs> that, that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. So that's good. Okay. So your latest book is called Strong Men, uh, Dangerous Times. And the subtitle, Five Essentials Every Man Must Possess to Change His World. First thing I read there, and, and this is my first question, why did you put his world, not the world? Oh, that's a great question. Nobody's asked that question before. Here, here's why. Because I think for us to go into, a lot of times as a Christian guys, we think of uh, this, we use this Christianese, 
And we tell guys like, man, you can change the world. And, and honestly, let's be honest, that isn't true. That's right. It's just not true. <laughs> but yeah. a man can change his world. Uh, he can change the lives of his kids. He can change his marriage. He can change his family tree. He can change his circle of influence. And not only do I think that that is a possibility, I think that if a man doesn't change his world, it means there's something wrong with that man. Because we believe that when a man gets it, everyone wins. And so we passionately believe, statistics show that that this is true. You know, when the Better Man survey came out, you see through statistics that when men get it, everything around them flourishes. And when a man doesn't get him, get it, everything around him uh, is hurt and broken. And there is a pain left in the wake of his uh, anonymity and absence. Yeah. So did you start writing this before the pandemic? No, it's really funny because I wrote this book in 2018 under the title, The Man Card. Okay. I thought it was catchy and, and, you know, we just didn't know what we were doing. So I, I thought <laughs> I'm going to rewrite this. And so I re- re- rewrote this in 2019 and it was just coming out as the pandemic hit. And this, the dangerous times has nothing to do with today. I believe the last thousand years, 2000 years, I believe we're always living in dangerous times. Nowadays, really, because of the attack on men, which is in some ways self-deserving, but men need to realize that during this time that they're living in, there are certain things they have to do to make them strong. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's dive into the five essentials because I think that's where all the meat is. And I'd love for you, I mean, obviously we'll put a link to the uh, to the book in the show notes or the show description. I want people to go and buy it. But just give us a, a broad overview. Let's go real quickly. What are the five essentials? And then let's dig into each of them. Yeah, so I just want the guys to see a mountain. So if you're climbing a mountain, like I just today, I had 40 pounds on a backpack. I climbed a mountain. I'm training for an archery elk hunt with my sons. And so I'm training. So in every every hiking, every pack trip involves five things. Trailhead, a climb, an, a summit, a descent, and a trail's end. And so this book has five of those things as well. The trailhead is protecting integrity. The climb is fighting apathy. The summit of manhood is pursuing God passionately. The descent is called leading courageously. And finally, the trails in is finishing strong. I like that. So yeah, most of the time when you uh, think about these frameworks or hear people talk through frameworks like this, it's just it's just goes up or it's just a list or maybe there's some sort of a of a cycle or something. I like that. That that is a great visual uh, that goes with this. It's like, hey, we go yeah. up and then we come back down. So uh, let's just start at the trailhead, protecting integrity. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Hey, and I'll just say this real quick. When we coined this this definition or these essentials, we wanted something that was going to work outside the church, inside the church, cross uh, timelines, cross religions, cross everything. It, for it to be a true definition, it had to do that. Okay. And so when you hear four of these five, you're going to be like, man, I mean, these could be in a business talk. And, and that is true, but I want you to hang on because the summit, oh baby, That's you know, it's Friday and Sunday's coming. So, <laughs> so you know, so the, the trailhead is protecting integrity. And I want to note the progressive present tense of the verbs for each of the five. So protecting integrity is something a man has to do every day of his life. He can live with integrity every day of his life. And then in one second, in one decision, he can completely ruin his life. And so we believe that protected integrity is foundational to any man who wants to be strong, who wants to change his world. And it's really interesting, Adam, because 
you know, it doesn't matter if you're a mega church pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a president of a nation. The moment that you lose your integrity, a man shuts down because the greatest gift a man can give another man, I believe, is respect. And when you lose that integrity, you lose respect. And I'll tell you what, I think that there's two things about integrity I want to draw out. The first thing is integrity is foundational to everything that we desire as a man. Every good father wants to raise kids who are, you know, uh, who are honorable and loyal and faithful and hardworking. No, no decent man wants to raise a cheat, a stealer, a criminal, a government-supported, glutton, lazy. Nobody wants that. They want a guy. They want to raise kids who are great citizens. So that is that is the foundational component across the board. We have to lay a foundation that's solid as a man. And it, it, it's, it's also the functional component of manhood. Let me explain that. In Genesis, we see a picture of the prototypical man, Adam. I mean, this guy, can you imagine what this guy looked like? I mean, this guy was a stud, right? Yeah. I probably didn't have a belly button, but I mean, he was a stud, you know, <laughs> you know, and here's Eve. I mean, can you imagine? And so here they, here they are. And, you know, uh, we are the only species in the universe besides Sasquatch that walks with our uh, reproductive organs exposed. We are made to walk upright and unashamed. But as soon as they send in the garden, you see a picture of them hunched over, covering up their, their sex organs in shame, right? And so this, 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 this ability to be upright and exposed and on display because of sin causes us to shrink back and, and bend over, so to speak. But the man of integrity walks upright before the world, and he says, listen, I don't have secrets. I don't have unswept corners. And the things I do have I struggle with, people know about. And I can walk upright in front of the world and say, God, put me on display. That's great. I love that. And, and that's where it starts, right? And so that's why it's the trailhead, is Correct. as you said, if you don't have that one right, then you can't, you can't start climbing. It's going to be difficult to get to the summit and then uh, and then come on back around. So, okay, so now uh, we've got that idea there. It's foundational. It's functional. And so now the climb is this idea of fighting apathy. And so this is maybe where some of uh, Robert's uh, influence came in because this was some things that he had in Raising Modern Day Night, right? Well, actually, Robert's were uh, accepting responsibility, resisting passivity, leading courageously, and expecting a greater reward. Yeah. And that I have that definition engraved on a knife. Wow. You know, I really, and I just have a ton of respect for Robert and what he's done. I mean, his work has been an impetus for my life. As I pondered these things deeper, I, I, I unpacked them more, and we've built a ministry around what we think is uh, uh, fits us better. And so, this fighting apathy. What I realized is, I realized that a man who refuses to resist passivity, a man who stops doing that, is a man who has allowed the the aggressive, the resistant voices of society to push him back down the mountain. Now, I'm a big dude, man. I was 250 pounds this morning. So for me, I climb up a mountain with 40 pounds of weight on. I'm pushing almost 300 pounds up That's a mountain. That's a lot. Gravity hates me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm the poster child for a gravity beatdown, you know, but it's <laughs> funny, but I have to fight. Now, it's interesting because as I fight those resistances, I get stronger. Mm. I get stronger through resistance. If you, for example, if I were to look at, if you were to look at my hand, I have calluses from weightlifting. I could take a knife and cut that callus off. 
and I will feel nothing. So on my hand, it's a C-A-L-L-U-S, and it's made to protect, and it's actually a good thing. But over my heart, it's a C-A-L-L-O-U-S. A calloused heart loses the ability, according to Matthew chapter 13, I think it's verses 15 and 16, to feel and to care for the things he should deeply care about. And so it's, and we live in a society, Adam, where 40, listen to this, 40% of guy, kid, uh, children are born out of wedlock. 50% of children born will see divorce before they are 18. And of those 50%, 50% of them will not see their dad for an entire year. So we live in a world and and all a lot of this is in is in Better Man's uh, survey, which is outstanding. Right. Which I have I refer to it like almost weekly. The problem is, men have lost the ability to deeply care for and feel passionate about the things that God has put in their charge. And so, when a man stops fighting against these voices that say you're toxic. Uh, you should put a pronoun in front of your name. Whatever pronoun you want to put in front of your name today, you're good to go. You know, we just live in a world that really vilifies men. But I believe that if men are the problem, they are also the solution. That's and so right. If we can get guys to start fighting against these things that cause resistance, they will win and everybody around them win. And I'll say one more thing. We live in a country that has lied to men. And told men and women that comfort is king and that comfort is good. And I just want to proclaim right now that comfort is the enemy. You need to fight against it. Get off the couch. Challenge yourself. Make decisions to get yourself against yourself. And men need to fight resistance. They need to fight against that stuff so they can push themselves up the mountain. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure you notice this in your life that I notice in my life that when, uh, when I have been in a season of apathy where I'm not doing some things that I know are going to be healthy, it feels like, uh, if I'm driving in a car going hundred miles an hour, it feels like throwing the car in and park, you know, or pulling on that emergency brake. Like it just feels like it's going to take, it's going to be so jarring. But then once you can get some momentum going, it, it, I don't want to say it gets e it's easy, but it can get a little bit easier. Just some of those, uh, laws of physics, you know, start to come in, uh, a little bit where that object in motion tends to stay in motion and the object not in motion wants to stay not in motion. So sometimes it's, uh, it's just taking a little step, like just, just start doing something right. Like, uh, start the conversation, um, uh, get up a little bit earlier, um, engage in that conversation with that person, go, go initiate over there, just whatever it is. And then you can start to see some momentum. Have you seen that play out in your life too? Man, that's really good. I should be interviewing you on this thing. This is really good. <laughs> well, what you're, what I'm hearing you say, Adam, is we need to get a rhythm. And, yeah. and the hard part right now, Adam, is, is COVID has thrown off our rhythm, right? Our, our regular date night has changed. Our visiting our in-laws has changed. Everything's changed. And so a lot of people are suffering right now because they lost rhythm and it's time to start getting back into the rhythm. And I have noted, God has given me a beautiful gift. It's this wonderful gift. I think you're going to appreciate this. And when I get out of rhythm, this gift reminds me I'm out of rhythm. And this gift is my wife. <laughs> and so she's a wonderful gift who reminds me of my rhythms. And so when I, when I go flat, uh, when I get apathetic, my wife is a wonderful gift of God to remind me, hey, buddy, cut away the calluses, yep. uh, start climbing. You know, Hebrews 10.39 says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, 
but through faith are saved. And so, uh, man, I like I, that. I, and I will say this one last thing because I know we got to move on. I believe fighting apathy is the greatest battle a man will ever fight in his entire life. That, say that again. That's really good. Say that uh, again. Yeah, I believe that fighting apathy is the greatest battle a man will ever fight. In this entire Which is life. so counterintuitive, right? Because we would think that the greatest battle is going to be something else that's out there, and and it's this internal just getting yourself moving. That that is uh, that is one of the the largest challenges you're going to face. Yeah. I like that a lot. Absolutely. I like that. Okay, so protecting integrity, fighting apathy, and then the third one is pursuing God passionately. That's the summit. So talk about that. Yeah, I mean, so far we've taken this journey up the mountain, and we haven't even seen God along the way, right? Theoretically, you know, you could do a business talk, but I, I believe this and. And it's so simple for me, uh, Adam. My, my theology is so simple. When I look at the Bible, when I look at the character and nature of God, when I see Psalm 139, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, when I when I read that God created the stars and calls them by name, all of these things and knows the hairs on my head and thinks of me more than the grains of the sand of the seashore, I think of this. He has to love me. Because he made me. What creator creator hates what he creates? That's good. He's, he he made me, and he loves me. Now I got to tell you this story. I was in the hot tub with a man one night. <laughs> I've never and, heard uh, a story it, start it, this way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, thank God it was my brother. So I think okay. it's okay. And I and my brother's not a Christian. And I said, Tom, do you believe that God made you? He said yes. I said, do you believe that God loves you? He goes, you know what, bro, I do. Because he was supposed to be born with some uh, health issues, and he never okay. was. I go, so if he made you and he loves you, don't you think he has a plan for you? And my brother in his Wrangler MWZs and his NASCAR jacket that he wears, his hat and his boots said, yeah, I do believe he has a plan for me. And I leaned into him, not too close because it was going to get awkward even for my brother and me in a hot tub. (laughs) And I said, "Um, bro, how can you ever be the man that God has created you to be without radical surrender to the one who holds the plans for your life? Man, his lips started quivering. Because that's that's my theology, though. Men, you know, there's this the, there's this thought in the church that if I if I surrender my life to Jesus, He's going to make me less of a man. And I just want to say to you guys listening, He'll make you more of a man than you ever could have been. But the only way you can become your best version in life, the only way you can achieve the apex, the summit, the climate of manhood, the climax of manhood, is from radical surrender to Jesus Christ. I believe that when a man gets it, everyone wins. And I believe that when God gets a man, the man will take care of the, he'll take care of the rest. He'll learn how to grow. He'll learn how to seek God. He'll understand. I really believe in men. And, uh, but, but guy, the guys that struggle are the guys that aren't committed wholeheartedly to Jesus. Yep. That's it. Uh, it is. It's that simple. And I mean, I saw that in my uh, ministry career when I was doing college ministry, the difference between the college students that were thriving and those who were just kind of wandering and lost and and making some decisions that I think they were going to regret. The difference was not uh, uh, not their family. It wasn't how much money they came from. It wasn't what they were studying. It wasn't their willpower. It was simply Jesus. Those who were, who so were following st- Jesus were having a very different experience in that in that formidable age than those who were not. That, that's so, what it was. So, so, di- you know, it, it's so simple. And I think sometimes we tell people, oh, God has a plan. God loves you right where you are. We portray this desperate, weak God, but God in Jeremiah 29, 13 said, if you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me. He's not desperate for us. Yeah. He's already done the work in the heavy lifting. Mm. It's our turn. I like that. Okay. Let's go to number four, leading courageously. 
Yeah. So this one, what I've noticed, and, and I know you've noticed this too, Adam, you get a guy saved, he starts pursuing God and he get, and then he gets to the church and he's told, Hey, invite your friends, bring your children. We're going to take care of them. So he goes, Oh, perfect. Uh, okay. Uh, women's ministry leader, you take care of my wife, youth pastor, take care of my kids, children's pastor, take care of my children, small group leader, take care of me and my wife as a couple. And this guy begins to, uh, totally, depend upon the local church. Now, I love the local church. I'm a leader in my local church, but men don't defer leadership. We can delegate everything except for sp- final responsibility. And so I'm writing a chapter, I'm writing a book right now called The Full Capacity Man, and I'm writing a chapter right now called it's on the le- it's called The Leader, and my subtitle is do anything, do something, do anything, just make a decision. And so (laughs) what I tell guys is, listen, you know what? I may do more leadership stuff with my family than you because I'm a 30-year pastor, but do something to lead your family. Pray for a meal, you know, take your family to church, just do something. What I have learned, uh, and, and we see this on the summit of Mount Everest, at Mount Everest, most people die on Mount Everest on the descent. Yeah, the way down. Be- because they made they made poor decisions climbing. Uh, they got casual on the way down. And what I learned as a hunter, packing out a big buck out of the mountains one year, that if I don't keep my nose over my toes, I'm going to lose traction. I need to lean into that mountain. I need to lead into that descent. And the man who leads his family well, he leans in, he gains traction, and he navigates for his family down that mountain. He does not get casual and he does not lean back, which is the temptation for a lot of men today, especially in a world that says, oh, no, no, you're not the leader. Everybody's the leader. No, that's just not what the Bible teaches, unfortunately. And so, guys, we really have to step up, lean into the leadership, trust God and navigate with our family. You know, John Maxwell, one of his 21 irrefutable laws of leadership is the law of navigation. And that's what we're talking about. Navigating down this mountain of manhood, getting your family home safe. I like that. Okay, let's wrap up here. Finishing strong. And you know, you and I, uh, we're not in our 20s. We're not, we're not young, but we're yeah. not old. Okay. So we're not old, but uh, but this is still a helpful message for us to hear this idea of finishing strong. So why don't you unpack that? Yeah. So this goes back. It's this is a little bit chippish for me. It's a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Okay. I've been in ministry 30 years. I've seen a lot of guys fail, pastors fail. Not one pastor who I worked with ended his ministry in ministry. And, uh, you know, on December 21st, 2012, my stepfather took a deer rifle that I bought for him for Christmas, put it under his chin and blew his head off. And so, you know, and there wasn't, there was no reason for it. He was a good man. He treated my mom good. I got along with him well. We had a lot of questions. He left this world with a question mark. And I realized something. Some men finish so strong and some men finish wrong. I mm. recommend Steve Farrar's book, Finishing Strong. And I, so I've got to go back to Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. Jesus on the cross in Matthew 19, verse 30, depending on your Bible translation, and I only get ones that are like this one I'm going to tell you. From the cross, he screamed out with an exclamation mark, it is finished. I only read Bibles with the exclamation mark because that is how I see my God and my Savior finishing, and I want to finish with like with a war cry. I want to finish with an exclamation mark and not a question mark. And the way guys do that, and here's what I want to tell guys: guys, if you know, uh, I'm going to talk to guys right now that are raising families. The way you finish your life strong 
happens the moment you come home from work. From six o'clock to nine o'clock, you will be remembered and you will be mourned for what you did in those three hours more than any other time in your life. So when you come home, man, your work is just starting. So put down the beer, put down the remote, get off the couch, focus on those three wind, those three hours, because on your tombstone, you will be remembered for whatever you put to the grindstone. And if it is your work and you neglected your kids, that will show when those who go to mourn you are missing. That's good. So I want to live my life for those who will mourn me at my death. So guys, and one last sentence and I'm done. Finish every day strong, compounded over time equals a life finished strong. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so uh, let's talk to one other uh, person that may be listening right now. Let's yep. go to the empty nester. Okay, that's so me. somebody that's that maybe, me. yeah, their kids are, are grown up and maybe they've never heard this list or they're hearing this idea about finish strong and what you just said about, uh, you know, parenting. They're like, well, Jim, I'm like, I don't, I, there's nothing I can do right now. Like my kids are gone. This is information that would have been helpful 20 years ago or uh, 10 years ago. So, and I'm sure you've encountered men like that through your, through your ministry. What do you say to those guys that are maybe going, yeah, that's nice, but it doesn't apply to me. It's a little too late. So we have 11,000 men in our online forum and mm. that forum is monitored by 14 men. We had a retreat with those men this weekend in New Mexico and almost all of those men are, they're almost all empty nesters and almost all of those empty nesters were sharing with tears in their eyes, regrets they have of adult children who, for whatever reason, are not talking to them, at least one. Yeah. And so this is a huge problem for nesters because here's the problem, empty nester. I'm one of you. You control the relationship when your kids are in the home, but as soon as your kids leave the house, they control the relationship. That's good. You have to understand that. So what I've done, Adam, do you remember, they didn't have these when I was a kid, but you know those workout bands, those big rubber bands that you can do pull-ups on and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those big rubber bands. So what I do is I put an imaginary rubber band over each of my kids. I just throw it over the top of them. I try to get around their neck like I'd like to sometimes. I throw it over the top of them, and then I let them live their lives. But I let them get so far out, when I feel like the tension's getting to where it's going to snap, I, I bring it back in. And so I've tried to build a relationship with my three sons where I'm always somewhere near their life where, you know, I can engage at any minute minute. And I try to, yeah. uh, and, and I think that's important. They need to live their life. I'm not a helicopter dad or bulldozer dad. I need to let them live their life. But now my kids are 23, 25 and 27. They're saying, Hey dad, we're going elk hunting, backpacking in. Will you come and call for us? We want you there with us. So, so that is, that is what I'm talking about that, that, that baby or that empty nester has to make efforts to engage with their adult children. So those children want to spend time with them. I like that. That's good. That's good. Okay. Hey, this is a, this has been a great list. So protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, finishing strong. You got the trailhead, the climb, the summit, descent, and then the trails end. Uh, fantastic. I like that. So this, this is definitely a timely message uh, in all times, you know, really since the fall, this is uh, what men need to hear, but especially nowadays. So all right, before we let you go, I'm just going to, I'm throwing rapid questions your okay, way. Baby, okay, come on. All right, and here's where we're starting with, because there's some conflicting uh, evidence out there or some conflicting things talking about you online. And so oh, really? uh, I, I need to know, Jim, I need to know, how do you take your Americano? Because one website says it's just dark roast and the other says it's heavy light cream or light heavy cream. And I'm confused. How do you, how do you drink the oh, Americano? Oh man, you are so good. I drink it with heavy cream unless I'm on a strict diet, then I go black. Okay. All right. Uh, what is your best hunting trophy? 
best prize that you've gotten while you're out there on a hunt? My wife. <laughs> All right. Okay. Last it's an year, actual I, la- mammal. That's an actual year, mammal okay, that you last, killed. Last year, I killed the biggest buck of my life. It was 26 and a half inches wide. It was a six by five mule deer, and I had to carry the entire buck out in 100 degree, degree weather on my back. It was awesome. Okay. Respect. I like that. All right. Men in the arena is what you, uh, the organization you lead. So, what's the best sports arena or sports venue you've ever been to personally? You know, I don't go to a lot of sporting events. Uh, I've never been to a pro football game. So, I'm going to have to take a sad pass on that. Okay. That's I fair. Just don't, right. I just don't go to them. Just don't go to them. All right. Well, you got the football helmets in the background. I, I, those, I coached and played there. Yeah. I was, okay, I was so a that's coach. your favorite one. So, uh, probably the, that year, probably 1995, when that team was a state championship team and I was their defensive coordinator. All right. I like that. Okay. When did you uh, start drinking coffee and you liked it? How old were you? Okay. Without tons of sugar and cream, I'm going to go with 30. Okay. 30. Wow. That's a late bloomer for, yeah. for, for that. Okay. So of the uh, nine books you've written, which one was the most difficult for you to complete? <sighs> Can I say the one I'm writing right now? Yeah. I'm yeah. writing one right now that it, it takes this book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, and it dials it in to a, to a just razor, razor, razor focus. And uh, it's 90,000 words, and I've got two chapters left. And man, it's killing me. Okay. That's good. Uh, now that's intriguing. I, I'm going yeah. to want to see that one. Okay. So uh, speaking of books, what's on your nightstand right now? What are you reading? On my nightstand right now, I've got, uh, man, I read about 50 books a year. I've got a book by Vody Bauckham called Fault Lines, and it deals with the lie of social justice as it pertains to biblical justice. And I'm really, really excited about this book. Is he not amazing? Dude, he is He is the Jordan Peterson of the church. There I mean, go. this That's guy, well I mean, I, I don't know what to say. He's brilliant. A black man raised by a single mom in South Central L.A., I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. He's got the greatest voice to our generation. In 20 years, what God does in this guy's life, if he stays faithful, God only knows, man. I, I'm on his team 100%. Yeah, I like it. Okay, uh, which now that we're going with these quick hit questions, after we just said that, this is going to sound so trite. What's your guilty pleasure TV show? What do you? What, what's your Netflix oh, binge or whatever? So, Oh, man, right now we're watching All American. Okay. All yeah, American. I we, like that. Real, and I'm really liking it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you and your organization, you are like a podcast savant. You you have published over 400 episodes, right? Yeah. I think we're at 465. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing to me. So um, most memorable or one of the most memorable, because that's a lot to have you pick one for you personally, which, yeah, which of those episodes? Paul, Paul Friesen. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've got a lot of episodes, but Paul Friesen uh, shared in one of his books about the eight cow wife. And that was very, very powerful where a man bought, uh, uh, married a very average looking woman. And uh, the maximum you could pay for the most beautiful woman in the, in the village was eight cows. And this gal was a two. <laughs> but okay. this, the guy that bought her or paid the dowry for her insisted on paying eight cows for her. And when the guy, the village leader came and visited that family a year later, he didn't recognize the woman. He said, who's this woman cooking food? And he says, well, that's my wife. He goes, is that, that's not the eight cow wife. He goes, yeah, that's her. He goes, that gal was like a two cow woman. He goes, yeah, but she believes she's an eight cow wife and look at her. And he changed her because of he, because he 
empowered her with this concept that she was worthy of the ultimate price. And so that was really, really good for me to realize I, I need to treat my wife like an eight cow wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can say that out loud, but well, that I, is, uh, I'm not, I haven't told her. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So what is your, you know, you do a lot of podcasting. I know that your podcast and of course the better man podcast are some of your favorites, but what, what is a podcast you're listening to on a weekly basis? You know what? You're going to, you're going to hate me for this. My, the one I'm listening to right now, what I love is a, is called hunt Backcountry podcast. And it's like a, it. uh, Mark Hulsing's a believer out of St. Louis and he works with a guy named Steven Speck, who they make exo ma- backpacks. Okay. And, and so they're doing a thing right now on uh, how to call in elk. And I'm getting ready to do this trip with my kids and I want to do it right. And, and I just really appreciate their message. That's kind of a, when I did my hike today, I had that on. I like it. Okay. There we go. I like that. <laughs> hey, Jim, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for your time today. And uh, it's been great having you on the Better Man podcast. Thanks for sharing your message with yeah, us. Yeah, I appreciate you and all the research you've done. I'm very impressed. All right. Take care. Jim, once again, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. Uh, I love that list. It's so easy to remember the protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and then finishing strong. And again, that that, uh, idea of the mountain is so simple to understand. And so uh, it was great being with you and uh, great laughing with you as we talk through that content. And anybody listening, if you want links to Men in the Arena, uh, his book, maybe that podcast episode that we talked about, you can find all that on his website. And I'll put that a link to that in the show description. And so if you're listening today and you want to start taking that journey, right? You want to grow in your relationship with God. uh, You want to grow as a man. Then the Better Man Experience can help you do just that. This is a great way to be influenced and mentored by other godly men who are on the same journey to manhood as you. Our 11-week experience is a great way to explore manhood in a way that's not only going to provide you with a biblical perspective, but it'll change your life forever as you get to know Jesus. And so Better Man is free of charge for churches. You can go to betterman.com to explore how you can bring this experience to your church community. That's betterman.com. And again, I'll put a link to that in the show description. Uh, Once again, all of our episodes are mixed and edited by that amazing team over there at Sound of a Rose. You can learn about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we've got for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Man podcast, and we'll talk to you again next time.